Welcome to the Central Church of Christ podcast. We are located at 3501 Cheviot Avenue, Cincinnati, Ohio. It is our mission to worship and follow Jesus as we love and serve in his name. Come see us sometime at 1030 on a Sunday morning or while we feed the community at the Bread of Life Cafe each Wednesday evening at 530 p.m. We hope that the following message inspires you in some way today. Guess where the sermon is taken out of today? Yep, Philippians 1. So our challenge uh, for, for the church this uh, past couple weeks is to read the book of Philippians, all four chapters at least once every week. And then to read the first chapter of the book of Philippians once a day. And that is a, a, just a beautiful thing. It's, it's given us a lot of conversations in our home. Uh, I think I have the first chapter almost memorized. Just from doing that, not trying to, just from doing that, just from exposure to it. So I'd just continue that challenge. And also uh, an ongoing challenge, and we would love to have anyone that would take us up on this. You know that the uh, centerpiece, the, um, the cornerstone of the book of Philippians is Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 11. That poem, Rhonda had a hard time, last time I preached I was saying poem, poem. That poem, and she's like, what is a poem? Well, it's that, that poem that Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 2. It really is the centerpiece, the center of gravity, as one uh, writer says, for the entire book. And so an ongoing challenge is to memorize Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 11. And it's a fantastic set of verses to memorize. It tells us who we are in Christ. It tells us who Christ is and why Jesus is such a big deal to God. Let's pray as we begin. Father, we love you today. We love you. We've come to you. Uh, We've come here to this place today. We were drawn here today because we want to be in a house filled with people that worship you. And may we do just that. May our worship be a music and a sweet smell to you. And may these words resonate in our hearts and impact us each in ways that you would have us uh, to change and to be better and to continue on, whatever it might be. We trust that you're working on us and that you love us. So may these words today, may the words uh, that we speak today and hear today be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we're going to uh, talk about a concept that's in Philippians chapter 1, chapter, or sorry, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, and it's the idea of having a confident faith. Paul says in Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He said, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this. Listen, I'll read this verse again. And will you say with me the highlighted and underlined words? Being confident of this, that... 
He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Those are the things, those highlighted words are the things that we're going to be talking about primarily today. A lot of times in our world when we talk about confidence or think about confidence or hear about confidence, it's oftentimes self-confidence, self-reliance, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. Come on, dude, you got this. You can do it. There's nothing you can't do. Stand up, make eye contact, firm handshake, shoulders back. You got this, man. Get that job, get that trophy, do that thing. You got it. A lot of times we hear about self-confidence. Now, I just want to be very clear from the very beginning that this is not at all what Paul is talking about. He's not talking about self-confidence at all. He says, every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the very first day until now, being confident now of this. So what was, the, what was the centerpiece of Paul's confidence? Where did he have that confidence to write this? As Daniel and I were getting in the car today, Daniel says, man, the first chapter of, of Philippians, it's just joy. Like Paul is like ecstatic when he's writing it. And he's right. Daniel's right. It's like, you can't miss it. Paul's joy is ear to ear. It's like he can't wait to get the next word down on the page. But I want to wonder where, for a second, where does Paul's confidence come from? And I have uh, some four ideas, but let's talk about the confidence that Paul is talking about. He's not talking about self-reliance, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you got this, bro, there's nothing you can't do. He's talking about a deep conviction, a full assurance, a full persuasion that God has and that God is and that God will present, past, and future, that God has taken care of it, that God is handling it, and it will be done as God says it will be done. That's Paul's confidence, and that's where it comes from. Let's be careful as Christians not to fall into the, the fallacy of self-confidence. And I have, I, I'm, I'm all about it. Head up, eyes bright, firm handshake, shoulders, uh, strong gait. I'm, I'm all for that, but because we know who we are in Christ... Not because you're all that, or I'm all that, or I can do it on my own and I don't need nobody. Our confidence comes from the Lord, and that's what Paul is talking about here. So where does he get this confidence? I think there's four obvious ways that we can look to see where Paul gets this confidence. And the first, we've already mentioned it. It's the Philippians' partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I know that he's recounting on Sabbath, uh, going down to the river where there should be a house of prayer, in cresting that hill and finding Lydia. This Asian woman with her family that went down by the river on a Sabbath day, a non-Jew that believes in God, that's looking to gather with people on the Lord's day. He crested that hill and he saw him, and he's thinking about that. That their partnership is not in something superfluous. Superfluous? Isn't it bad when words come to your mind and you don't necessarily know how to say them, but you know they're just these uh, whatever things? But their partnership is in the gospel. That their priority is Jesus, holiness in, in God, living for Christ. 
and they've made their foundation on something strong, I know that that's a part of Paul's confidence here. Also, he's confident because he's now receiving another gift from the Philippian church. That seems that's one of their spiritual gifts. You read through Philippians again and again and again. You read through the book of Acts again and again and again. This small Philippian church in the middle of nowhere, fringe country, Rome, on the borders of nothing, nowhere near a synagogue, that these people who love the Lord are gathering together and being Christians together. And one of the things that they do really well is share. And Paul here again is receiving a specific gift to meet a specific need. And it's brought to him by one of his brothers in Christ, Epaphroditus. Isn't it great? Doesn't it bolster your confidence when you have practical, tangible, touchable reasons to be confident? That you know it's true because it's sitting right in front of you? That's one of the reasons for Paul's confidence, I'm sure. Another reason is, and they mention this, uh, Paul mentioned this in uh, chapter 1, verses 29 and 30, and we'll get to that uh, in the weeks and months to come as we preach through this book. But I know that Paul's confidence beca- comes because the Philippian church is joining with him in continued endurance of suffering. They feel a direct link to one another because they're both being persecuted for bearing the name of Jesus, and I know that that brings them together. Finally, I think a way that we can find where Paul's confidence comes to write this first chapter with such joy, as Daniel says, is that he sees in the Philippians this continued growth in Christ. You know, the purpose of this church and the purpose of our spiritual walk is not to stay where we are or say everything's okay. Sometimes it's not okay and we shouldn't stay where we are. The purpose is to go together and move closer to Christ individually and together as a church. I'm proud of the ways, the many ways, that this church has grown closer to Christ. I'm very proud of these ways. And we need to keep being more like Christ in every way that we can. And if there's a way in your life that's being identified that you're not just like Christ, don't throw it out the window and throw up up your hands and give up. Push on. Get together. Have teammates that you're walking with and give it to the Lord and do better in the name of Jesus. So how about us? Where does our, uh, oh that one picture didn't show up. There's a a quote that, uh, sorry, there's a quote from Jeremiah chapter 17 that says, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. And the leader of a ministry called uh, Wisdom Hunters Uh, Boyd Bailey said, Confidence in Christ is bold, but humble. Assured, but teachable. And I love how he uh, just kind of draws that out. Because God doesn't call us to be arrogant. Jesus doesn't call us to be conceited and, and rude. He calls us to be bold, but always humble. That's, I mean, that is the main context of Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 11, that poem in the middle of the book is the humility of Christ, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God, even something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very, and on and on and on it goes. Humility is a hallmark of the Christian walk. But so is boldness. 
assurance, knowing who we are and where we're going and that we're saved by the blood of Jesus and that we're going to live forever with him and that we can have confidence in this life, but also that we're always teachable. Always, always, always teachable. I had the great privilege of living with uh, Bob and Ruth for two summers, and I have many enduring memories of those times. Many, many, many. And the one I'll mention today is this. Monday through Friday, at that dining room table in Uncle Bob and Aunt Ruth's house, that you basically needed an intercom to talk to the other person on the other side. Hey, can you pass the sugar? You know, something like that. It's, it was just, huge, just a huge place. Uh, one of their goals was to have every member of the church over for a meal once a year. At some point, to have everyone into their house once a year and sit around that dining room table. It was a great blessing. That's what the table looked like on Friday or Saturdays and Sundays. But on Monday through Friday, that table was covered with books. I, I had the privilege, and many of you, I had the privilege of, of knowing Bob and Ruth in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. But that table on Monday through Friday was covered with books because Bob was learning. And he was challenging himself. And he wanted to see what was really, really right. And I respect that quality in him so much because if you knew where he came from, West Texas, just traditional, conservative, one cup, women's role, man, you know, just some deep Christian traditions. And to see where he came in Christ because he was always teachable. Man, that's, an, that's just an indelible quality I want to have. I love that. So the source of our confidence comes from our connection in Christ. And I want to reassure you, as Jeremiah says, that you will be blessed if you trust the Lord and you put your confidence in Him. You will not be ashamed. You will not be let down. You will not be left alone. That you will be blessed. There's four phrases in, in, uh, first, in Timothy 1, uh, just verse 6 that I want to focus on today. And let me uh, read that again. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The first thing I want to talk about is the emphasis on the word he. That where does the good work originate? It, it originates in Jesus. And, and that's what, one thing that's, that Paul celebrates with confidence is that Jesus, who began a good work in you, it wasn't a Paul thing, it wasn't a Philippian thing, it wasn't a, a Roman jailer thing, it wasn't a formerly demon-possessed woman, it wasn't Lydia and her crew, it wasn't anything else. They built their relationship on Jesus Christ from the very beginning, and Paul is saying, I have confidence because I know who started it all. I know what the center of our relationship is, and that brings me confidence. And there's some verses that we can look to that really remind us of this. If you can say this with me, please do. John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. For God did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We know that God, that God sent Jesus for us. We know that our foundations are in Jesus, that from the very beginning, God had a plan to save us. And our, our centerpiece is Jesus. 
And please always, let's remember, and this helps keep me humble, that way before I could ever say the name of Jesus or do anything quote-unquote good in His name, He loved me way before. Be patient with yourself when you don't look like Jesus. Be patient with each other when we don't look like Jesus. Man, we are all just trying to do better. And we need to have a true and honest heart about that, about trying to do better. Be, be honest about that. Try to do better. Work at it. Say, I forgive you. Say, I'm sorry. Say, I love you. Say, I'll do better. Say, be convicted. But also remember that God's love for you is just enduring and way before you could confess his name or be baptized into his blood or be raised out of that, uh, uh, raised from anything. For God demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were still sinners, Christ died. Every one of us in this whole world, whether we've confessed Christ or not, live under this promise of God's love. No one is outside the love of God. No one is unlovable in God's eyes. And that should certainly be a hallmark of this church. That we love people. Always remembering that Jesus did it. That we're here because Jesus did it. Not because I did it. Not because you did it. Not because whoever, but because Jesus did it. The second set of words I want to talk about today in uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, is that, uh, that he who began a good work in you. That he who began a good work in you. And I want to be just clear here that it's not just a good work on you. I think God works on us. That Jesus didn't do just a good work for you. And he's certainly done that. God's done some good work for me, for us. But he does good work in us. One of the great mystical natures of faith in Jesus Christ is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That a God that has the power to create is the same God that knows the hairs on our head, is the same God that can hear all of our prayers and walk with us day by day and fill each of us that have confessed his name with himself. That's just mysterious to me, and I love it. I'm okay with not understanding all of that one. I believe in a God who can, who does, who has, and who will. And one of those great promises that God is working in us. There's a verse in Philippians chapter 2 that says just exactly this. I always love it when there's a Bible verse that kind of says exactly what you're trying to say. Sometimes there's not. And we should never try to, you know, shove it in there. But this, this one, Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. 
being a parent, one of the things that stuck out to me was that second, that little hyphenated part, that Paul was so joyful that not only are the Philippians obedient when he's around, but even when they're not. And that's one of the hopes for parents, right? To pass that on. Man, you can't have a thumb over your kids all the time. Eventually, you've got to let them go and they've got to do their thing. And, they, and you've got to hope that you, you've instilled them uh, with the, the morals and, and the good judgment and the, and the will of God. And they know the scriptures and they know what they ought to do. Because it, when you send them out there, it's up to them. And I think that's something that, Paul, you can see a parental love for the Philippian church here. That, man, I know you're getting after it when I'm there, but, dude, I'm listening to Epaphroditus, and you're getting after it when I'm not there. And, man, I'm so excited. But it's that God is working in us. And finally, I want to look at uh, this verse at the very end. Uh, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Our God has the power and the endurance and the energy to see it through. To see it through. He's not walking out on you. He's not leaving you. He's not abandoning you. He will see it through with you. And one of the most powerful examples that we as a church can give is sticking with people even when it's messy, even when it's dark, even when it's hard. Sticking with people and walking with people. That's what I want in my life. When I'm blowing it big time, don't walk out on me. Don't walk out on me. See it through with me. And that's what Jesus says. He'll see it through. Remembering that we're all a work in progress. And that's something that I think we need to tell ourselves to give ourselves the grace that God gives us. But also we've got to realize that about each other. That we're all in process. Let's be patient with each other. Let's be encouraging to each other. Let's say, how can I help? Or add a boy, or good job, add a girl. You're doing great, keep it up. Be willing to confess, to be on the path with people, to be honest about where you are, and allow people into your life to help you be better in Christ. Ruth Bell Graham, uh, Christian, famous Christian author, uh, wife of evangelist Billy Graham in a 1970s magazine article said this, I saw a sign on a strip of highway once that I would like to have copied on my gravestone. And it said, end of construction. End of construction. Thank you for your patience. Well said. Let's read a couple verses together. Just uh, flip through the Bible, just the middle of the Bible. Uh, Psalm 121, let's read this. Talking about God completing His work in us. That He won't let go, that God is trustworthy and dependable. Psalm 121, a beautiful song. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let 
your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over you watches over Israel, will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going both now and forevermore. We are a work in progress and we serve a God who will see it through. There's a beautiful uh, set of verses in John chapter 10 as Jesus is making his way out of this world and preparing his disciples for his departure and his death and his resurrection and ascension to heaven. And he says this with the same idea of carrying it on and seeing it through, talking about the power of God, that God can. Jesus says in, in John chapter 10, verse 25 through 30, Jesus answered, I tell you, but you... I." I did tell you, but you did not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. And listen to this. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. My sheep follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No, not one will be snatched from my Father's hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one can snatch him out of his hand. I and the Father are one. We serve a God who can. We serve a shepherd who wants to shepherd his sheep to lead us, to guide us, to be there with us. He will not depart from you. He will not lead you. Sorry, he will not leave you. In Hebrews chapter 13, which I would encourage each of you, you want to add this to your list, uh, read this chapter this week. It's the, it's the author's final encouragements. And part of that uh, he talks about in Hebrews 13, verse 6, he says, and he's quoting Psalm 118 when he does this. He says, the Lord is my helper. What can man do to me? I got God on my team. What am I worried about? The Lord is my helper. What can people do to me? Finally, I want to encourage us to build our confidence as a church. I want to take these ideas that we've learned from Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6 and see how we can, might apply them to this church. And here's my first encouragement. Because we need to have a confident faith. And here's what's true. We can impact each other's confidence. We can impact each other's confidence to keep going, to keep doing this stuff, to keep serving, to keep giving, to keep believing. We impact each other and we affect each other's confidence. Here's the first encouragement I have is to be present. Be present with this church. Be here. Come to class. Come to life group. Come to worship. Come to Bread of Life Cafe. And I know, and please hear me say this, I know everybody can't do everything. I know, I know. But I also know that everybody ought to be doing something. So one way that we affect each other's confidence is by showing up. In a church of our size, 10% makes a big difference. 
When 10 more people are here every Sunday, you feel it. You go to a mega church where there's thousands, you're not going to feel 10 people. You come to this church and 10 people are here, it makes a difference. It just feels different. There's a bigger buzz and there's a better vibe and it just feels like, to me anyway, it feels better. So I'd encourage you to be present. The second, I've already said it, is to partner with this church. Find some way to work within the ministries of this church. And one thing I'm excessively proud of of this church is that if this church isn't meeting a need, this church has always been open to, to change and to meet needs and to do things differently. Uh, Darren and Shirley are a great example of that. They came to the Central Church of Christ a long time ago and said, we got a sports ministry, what do you think? And the leadership said, yeah, let's do a sports ministry. It's just one example. There's been a ton of those throughout the years. Find some way to partner with this church, whether it's with the youth group or with Bread of Life Cafe or using your talents in leadership, in worship, uh, hosting quality time, going to camp or, or uh, Central Ohio work camp or sending people to go do those things or working on the building and grounds, using your talents to keep this place beautiful so we give a good name to the, our neighborhood. There's people here and we care about it. We want to keep the place nice. There's a lot of different ways to partner with this church. I think that can help build our confidence. The third way I would say is this. Support and encourage each other to stay on the path with Christ. Make the phone calls. Have the coffee breakfast. Whatever. Write the notes. Have people into your house. Show up at people's events. Encourage each other to stay on the path because you know, I'm, not, I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here, life has plenty of up and downs. Plenty. Great day. Roller coaster. Being confident as a church, I think one way we can do that is by supporting each other. Do you know that this church is there for you? Does this church know that they can depend on you? There's specific ways to do that, and the beautiful thing is it's not hard. Let's support and encourage each other to stay on the path. Finally, I want to say this. Two more things. Something that I think that can build our confidence as a church is by all of us choosing, making a choice to be Christian more than we are anything else. I think it looks something like this. That I'm a Christian who happens to be happily married. I'm a Christian who happens to work at the Cheviot Fire Department. I'm a Christian who happens to like to fish. Maybe you're a Christian who happens to be decent at bowling. Or you're a Christian who happens to love people of all nationalities. Or you're a Christian who happens to be nursing a baby that you could have never dreamed of 10 years ago. Or you're a Christian who happens to vote Republican. Or you're a Christian who happens to vote Democratic. Or you're a Christian who happens to have a ton of money. Or you're a Christian who happens to be pretty stuck right now and, and desperate financially. Or you're a Christian who happens to be raising small children and that's your whole world. 
a Christian who happens to have a brother who needs your support, a Christian who are helping raise troubled children. But whatever it is, we can't be anything more than we are Christian. That that's got to be the highest level of, of investment in our whole life. Our highest allegiance, our highest claim has got to be to Christ. And everything else I'm telling you, challenge me on this and talk to me about this. Dig into the Word about this. If we are anything more than we are Christian, then we're not really Christian. And a way that we can build confidence as a church is by me seeing you and you seeing me be a Christian who happens to be whatever. And all of my other whatevers are influenced by the fact that I am a Christian. I'm not a Christian. I'm not anything more than I am Christian. Finally, I'll say this. One of the things that can build confidence in our church family is by taking Christ everywhere you go. I want you to know that there's a Christian on duty at the Cheviot Fire Department. I want you to know that there's a Christian on duty at the Hamilton County Deputy Sheriff's Department. I want to know that there's a Christian grandmother raising her kids. We need to know that there's a Christian walking the halls of Oak Hills Local and Erlanger Public and Cincinnati Public and CCS. There's Christians walking the halls of St. Dominic's. There's Christians that are putting it on and doing it, whether in our presence or away. That there's Christians distributing medications every Monday from a cardboard table in their bedroom. There's Christians doing the silver sneakers and kickboxing with all the other people. That there's Christians celebrating someone whose life has taken a difficult turn on a birthday that's so meaningful. Those are my encouragements for us today. As a church, let's decide to be present, to be partners, to support each other, to be Christian more than we are anything, and to take Christ with us everywhere. May the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our God, our rock, and our Redeemer. We're going to sing, uh, Brooke, come on up, please. Uh, Brooklyn's going to lead a song. It's a song that she wrote. If you know the words, sing it with her. It's entitled, Peace Be With You. Is that right? Peace Be With You? Peace be with you. And take this time to think, to pray, to have a prayer with someone, to confess something, to ask for encouragement, to apologize, to give forgiveness, to say I'm sorry, to do whatever this is. Take this time. If you need prayer, grab somebody and pray. If you want to do it by yourself, that's fine too. But may the peace of God, our Savior who loves you, come over you. And you, may you choose to find your identity in Christ.